Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Championship weekend. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Friday. Thank God. January 26, 2024. We're 48 hours from the NFC and AFC championship. Before I get into it, I have to tell a story. Quick story. Sorry, Coco. I didn't think that I was going to talk about it, but it just occurred to me. How could I not share it with you? As we head into the last weekend of voting for the Sports Podcast Awards, go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Make sure you vote for nothing personal. Voting goes through Sunday. And then we'll find out whether we will celebrate being a winner instead of being a nominee. I try to do things. Ah, who am I kidding? I'm just going to be completely open with you all right now. As you know, I am often. I spent 18 years in baseball. I spent two to three years on Wall Street. I spent two to three years over in Europe trying to run a business. Work was always more important to me than family uh, because I felt I needed to provide for them and wanted to provide for them. And when there was work to be done, there was work to be done. When I got older, and it's not, I don't want to say that I regretted it because I knew exactly what I was doing while I was doing it. And I knew what the outcome would be. So now, as you know, everything comes home to roost. And so one divorce and a few issues and a lot of therapist hours later, I try to spend some time with my kids doing things they want to do, doing things I want to do. I haven't quite got over the hump of doing things with them that only they want to do that I don't want to do. I'm happy to spend time doing things with them that I want to do and they want to do. I think that best kind of parent does things that they don't want to do. And I've just never been that way. Only one of my three children enjoys the theater, which is too bad. Sort of like two of three enjoyed baseball, which I thought was pretty good. Not terrible. The daughter who did not enjoy baseball went to a few games only when I forced her or had to watch her on a Sunday afternoon. Works in the entertainment industry and loves Broadway. We went to a play last night and we went to see Gutenberg, the musical with Josh Gad. Josh Gad went to the university school in Davie. He's from South Florida. Went to the same school where my children went to school. They were raised in Florida. And we were sitting there during the show and she brought a friend which I was totally fine with, of course. And so we went to dinner, then went to a show. It was a very adult moment. We're sitting in the play. We're watching. We're in the second row. We have great seats. We're 
eight feet away from Josh Gad, who is a big Marlins fan, big Dolphins fan, big Heat fan. He was, he's been a friend for many, many years. All of a sudden, my daughter stands up and says to me, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right, go. She gets up and starts, I'm on the aisle. She climbs over me. I'm small. She's small. You barely have to climb. You don't have to straddle. You just basically, there's plenty of room in front of my knees. And they stop the play. Josh Gad looks out. It's a two-man play and says, are you leaving? In the middle of the play. And mortified, she said, no, I have to go to the bathroom. And Josh Gad said, number one or number two? And Kira said, number three. And then Josh and his co-star, as though this were a bit, his co-star, Andrew Runnels, who's so talented, they were in Book of Mormon together. They're doing this show that stops on Sunday. It's been a huge success. They both look at the audience and say, what the hell is number three? And the audience starts laughing. Kira's mortified. She's walking up the aisle backwards. They have a spotlight on her now as though she's part of the show. She comes back after 25 seconds going to the bathroom. They continue to talk about it while she's in the bathroom. And then they're said, all right, can we get back to the play now? And they get back into it. It ends. I'm fortunate enough to take Kira and her friend backstage after. We say hi to Josh. We walk in. Josh looks at my daughter and says, number three. I said, Josh, that's my daughter. And he had not put it together because he was on stage with other stuff to do. It was quite something. I apologized and he said, no, no, that was outstanding. The audience loved it. Meanwhile, the audience waiting outside for autographs all thought that Kira was a plant and that she was a star of the show and did that every single show. And then afterwards, she thanked me and said, I had a great time, Dad. And I came home and I watched Jokovic lose in four sets. And then I started watching Medvedev. That started at 3.30 a.m., the other semifinal Australian Open. And I asked Coca to delay the show because it's in the fifth set. And when something's in the fifth set, basically, you want to watch that. Medvedev was down two sets to zero. You could have gotten him at plus 400 if you took him right then live betting. Guess what? Up a break in the fifth. He's going to come all the way back. Something Jokovic could not do after losing the first two sets. So I had a fun night. I'm a little tired, but it's Friday. And I've been racking my brains. Those of you who are listening to 10 Day Tony and his marathon Truman show, grid of punishment, be on the YouTube live all night. I called in to talk to him for a few minutes. And we were talking about the games this weekend. And obviously, you know, for nothing personal pick of the day, I need to figure out which way I'm going for you and for me. And I'm spending time thinking about things that I should not be thinking about. Like, where is the NFL in this? Are they going to permit Lamar Jackson to be a Super Bowl quarterback in Vegas instead of Patrick Mahomes? Are they going to give up two weeks of Taylor so they can have the Ravens? Is Dan Campbell who they want instead of the Niners, who are a much more global, nationally known brand? Every ounce of me says it's Chiefs Niners in the Super Bowl. And then I started digging a little deeper. And I started thinking about the quarterback situation. And I went into a rabbit hole that I'm bringing you into this morning. 
it's called the guaranteed rabbit hole. And I never got to do this in baseball because every contract is fully guaranteed no matter what. In football, you've got guarantees upon signing. Then you've got other guarantees. You can get bonus payments based on if you do a push-up during the offseason. You show up to a workout in your skivvies and maybe you put on some pads, come out of the dark hole, do some drugs, 40 million bucks. Not guaranteed, but guaranteed. Then if we release you by this date, you don't get that, but we have dead cap money of this at that moment. Absolutely insane things that are solely as a result of a salary cap system. I love talking about the Sean Watson and what the Haslam's did, $230 million. What a complete waste. And then I was thinking about Patrick Mahomes and his contract when he signed it, when everyone said he can make $450 million. This is the greatest contract ever. Fine print. You have to be Super Bowl MVP and league MVP every year to get the maximum bonuses. So he's not going to get the maximum. Then other quarterbacks were getting more money than Mahomes. So Mahomes says, how about if I restructure? And the chief said, no problem. My least favorite thing for owners to do, let's pay you money. Josh Allen, I'm so sorry that you signed your contract in 2021 before anybody else. I'm sorry you only got $100 million guaranteed. And I'm really sorry that you're looking up at a bunch of other guys who aren't as good as you. But hey, you signed the deal. It's like asking Don Mattingly if he's upset at what, <laughs> pick any schlepper in baseball, at what Hoskins got from the Brewers. I didn't check this, Coco, but it'd be funny to check. I believe that Hoskins, the former Philly, is going to play first base for the Brewers. I believe, I believe I can fly, that his two-year $34 million contract may be more in career earnings than Don Maddenly got in his career. Timing, man, stinks. It's always better. That's why you should always buy something a little bit more than you can afford because you will get appreciation. I know that sounds counterintuitive if you're smart about what you buy. Always buy quality. So Josh Allen gets $100 million. He's not in the final four. Signed that in 21. And then there have been a whole slate of quarterback signings. I can't tell you what Mahomes is guaranteed. I don't think anyone can because it's so such a cluster. Joe Burrow, you remember, got his $146 million guaranteed before the start of this season. We had him going to the Super Bowl. He went and got hurt. Bengals didn't even make the playoffs. But guess what didn't change? Joe Burrow and his $146 million guaranteed. Then, of course, you slot in Lamar. Lamar Jackson, who is playing this weekend, has $135 million guaranteed. Not too shabby. That's right over Harbaugh's new quarterback, Justin Herbert, at 133. These aren't coincidences. Jalen Hurts down at 110. What about Jared Goff? He's in the final four. Remember the contract he signed? Well, he signed a four-year, $134 million contract with the Rams. The Rams traded him to the Lions. Guess what? Only $57 million of that was guaranteed. There Goff is in the final four with Dan Campbell and the knee bucklers. Going against Brock Purdy who got a whole guarantee of $77,000 as the last quarterback drafted. The first quarterback drafted in his draft was that guy, Kenny Pickett, not even quarterbacking for the Steelers anymore. The last guy in the draft has his team in the final four. Oh, but David, their defense is above average, and McCaffrey is the greatest fantasy player and the number one guy you could ever have. You've got Debo Samuel, 50-50. But look at him. He practiced. We're good. Look at how great Purdy is when it's dry, but maybe in the playoffs, not in the playoffs. Regular season winner, playoffs. Eh, we don't know. 
So many questions about these games and such a difference in guaranteed salary for quarterbacks. This is what we do in baseball as well. Thinking about Steve Cohn signing Scherzer and Verlander to $43 million each, going against a team that has two guys who have not yet gotten arbitration who are making $700,000. And the guys making $700,000 have a pretty good chance to shove it up Scherzer and Verlander's tuchus. And as an owner or president, you're looking and your, your neck hurts, your eyes hurt, you're exhausted. You're looking at your CFO who's looking at you with total disdain and contempt. And I ask, what is the more important position? An ace on a baseball team or a starting quarterback on a football team? I feel like the overwhelming majority of you would tell me that being a starting quarterback, having a good starting quarterback is way more important. And I would remind you of Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl with the Broncos when he was barely good. I'd remind you of Tom Brady being fine a couple of the years the Patriots won the Super Bowl. I'd remind you of Nick Foles and Joe Flacco and Jeff Hostetler. I'd remind you of Josh Beckett. Tim Lincecum, Madison Baumgartner. I'd remind you of young players who have gotten their team's rings, young quarterbacks, unknown quarterbacks, cheap quarterbacks who have been on teams that got rings as well. What impacts a series? Four out of seven games, if an ace can pitch, start twice, come out of the bullpen once or twice, bigger impact on a series or your starting quarterback? Can a starting quarterback have a mediocre game and one game and a football team win. If an ace gives up six runs in one inning like Clayton Kershaw did with the Dodgers this past postseason, what happens? They lose. I couldn't come up with my answer because it's such a great debate. And it's all about thinking about what you're thinking about and what you're watching at the moment. But just ponder the possibility that for all of you who want quarterbacks extended, all of you Miami people who require that Tua gets extended by the Dolphins, and for all of you who are thinking you got to get a good quarterback, is he your man? Who is our franchise quarterback? Who is our quarterback of the now and the future? It seems convenient, doesn't it, that a quarterback of the future is your quarterback of now until he's not performing and then becomes not your quarterback at all? Yeah, that's you, Watson. That's you, Carson Wentz. The world is littered with quarterbacks of now and the future that become quarterbacks of the past and never. Just like there are pitchers' contracts who end up total overpays, some good, some not good. Which brings me to what matters more than a franchise quarterback or an ace on your staff making the minimum. You know what it is? Your talent scouts, your personnel people. We sit here and talk about who the offensive coordinator is. Oh, Vic Fangio left, and he's now with the Eagles. Want to be close to home, whatever. We talk about the new NFL coaches. we got a few new ones to talk about today. So important. We interviewed 14 guys, spent seven hours on each of them. How long do you spend interviewing your draft people? When my GM came to me and said, I want this guy to be the director of amateur scouting. I want that guy to be the director of player development. Hey, you're my guy. You choose your guys, gals, whoever. How was I not more involved in those hires? Now, our drafts were amazing. We had unbelievable young players throughout my career. I compliment from Jim Fleming to Stan Meek 
to all the people we had in our scouting department, to our GMs from Larry Beinfest to Mike Hill, all of them. And I wonder in football if we're not focused enough. And if Bill Belichick wants to be in charge of personnel and coaching, if Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, if their sole goal, because they know that they can't win the Kentucky Derby with a bunch of donkeys, is to control everything, why is an owner reticent to give Belichick that amount of control or Vrabel or any coach? The reason why we don't have managers who have the ability to be in charge of the team, there's no GM managers, is that when you are putting together a baseball team and you're doing evaluations of players, it requires hours of eyeballs that managers just don't have the time nor the inclination to do. And you could tell me how do football coaches have the time? They've got the time because they're looking at tape. They're going to see players. I maintain it is way more important to have good personnel people than it is to have a franchise quarterback. Way more important to have good personnel people than to have an ace pitcher. The people who you root for, the teams who you root for, how many of you clap for the decision makers? We know in Chicago, they boo the decision makers. I just wonder whether people are downplaying the importance. We had the Nuggets two over the Knicks and our nothing personal pick of the day. How did that go? I'm trying to remember a time when two teams were in the finals, Nuggets heat and both lost by 30 on the same day. And I'm going to give you a little inside the kimono. Yesterday before the show, I told Coke, I can't decide, do I want the heat over the Celtics or do I want the Nuggets over the Knicks? And I said, the heat have lost a bunch in a row. The Celtics, I don't love them on the road. They're fine. But the Nuggets, I mean, I love how well the Knicks are playing, but the Nuggets are just a superior team. So I switched from the Heat getting points to the Nuggets giving points, and I would have lost them both. So I'm down to 15 and 12. And we've got a bunch of picks that I'd like to give you. Is Doc Rivers coaching the Bucks tonight or what? Well, what's the delay? Is he looking for temporary housing? Are they negotiating terms? I saw it released that there were terms. He was getting a couple years, 20 million, whatever the case was. What, 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 what do you got? You got to move schools for your kids? Why is he not on the bench? Is he on the bench? Coke and I couldn't find it. The Bucks just played the Cavs and we had them in our pick of the day and we won a couple of days ago. Well, thanks to the new NBA schedule where you're playing the same team like it's a series, the Bucks are five and a half over the Cavs again. And what I think will be Doc Rivers' first game as coach or the interim guy's second game as coach with Doc Rivers figuring out where to live in Whitefish Bay or Mequon or River Hills. There's some great estates in River Hills. Just jump on 43 South. Boom, you're at the Bradley Center. Ooh, just showed my age. I think it's called the Five Serve Forum now. We're going to take the Bucks five and a half over the Cavs, and then we're going right to Sunday's baseball. Here's where I am in the Chiefs-Ravens game. I'm going to take the wussy way out, and I'm going to do a money line parlay. I'm going to go with the conspiracy theory that the NFL Super Bowl logo has red and purple on it for Ravens and Niners, which goes against everything I believe is actually going to happen. So I am not committed. This is a two-star pick, not a five-star pick. We're doing the Ravens and Niners in the money line parlay. You only have to lay 106 to win 100 or 1060 to win 10, which is what our units are. 
Ravens, Niners in a money line parlay. I think the Niners-Lions game is easier. Bunch of people picking the Lions to keep it competitive. No doubt the networks want it to be competitive. I keep thinking the Lions are about to turn into Cubs. We're taking the Niners and we're laying the seven and a half. When you're watching the Chiefs-Ravens game, I'm loving the over-under of 44. I love the Ravens' defense. I think Lamar Jackson runs for over 100 yards. I think Patrick Mahomes has a fantastic day, and Kelsey has got to get it done in front of Taylor. So we're also going to go over 44. So we're going Chiefs-Ravens over 44, Niners minus 7.5 over the Lions, and then a Ravens-Niners money line parlay. And then Monday, when we do a show live at 8 a.m. after voting's closed for the Sports Podcast Awards, sportspodcastgroup.com. My guess is I'm either going to tell you that the Taylor Swift conspiracy is alive or the relationship is dead. One of those two things is going to be the case. Wait to see. That's not an official wait to see. Arthur Blank looked at Bill Belichick and said, you know, I don't really love how you look and cut off hoodies. I'm going to go back and I'm going to keep the string going of the minority coaches who are being hired in this hiring cycle. And the Falcons are going back to Raheem Morris, who, as you may remember, was their interim head coach during COVID 2020. That's when the Atlanta fired Dan Quinn, who ironically is right back in the coaching carousel. I was shocked by this hire. I thought that Arthur Blank needed a much bigger splash. I thought that Bill Belichick made perfect sense. I would be surprised that Belichick wanted to move to Atlanta, wanted to do the Atlanta job, but I thought Blank would write a blank check. And then at the end, Bill Belichick would say, hey, it's just business. I'm in, Arthur. Find me a house in Cobb, would you please? But instead, it came out yesterday. So I'm just curious. You interview 14 people. Bill Belichick's one of them. And then you hire the guy that you knew. When he was the interim coach in 20, I liked doing this with managers who I interviewed. What's changed since we last interviewed you? What have you learned? Since we last hired you and fired you, and now we're re-interviewing you, what in your mind makes you a better manager today than you would have been yesterday? It's such a crock of crap, those questions, because it forces people who are being interviewed like Raheem Morris to give you an answer like the following. Well, the first thing that I learned is that to have a good clubhouse, you got to have the respect of the gentleman. And to do that, I got to make sure that my relationship with you as I manage up and my relationship with them as I manage down is that they don't view me as a mole or a leak and that you allow us to form our community in the clubhouse. I realized back then that I didn't succeed because I didn't have enough say over personnel and I really know the system that I want and therefore I'd like to be in charge of the people I get. Hold on there, Mr. Morris. We're hiring you to be a coach. You will have no say in player personnel. Well, you were offering that to Belichick. You ain't no Belichick. Well, what's the difference? How about one for the thumb? Strike that. One for the pinky. Wait, strike that. One for the second middle finger. How about that? How about them apples? All right, what else did I learn? I actually learned something else. I learned the analytics of when to go for two. You're never going to have to worry with me. When analytics say go, we go. Fourth and three from the 45, 
in like Flynn. I got people in my ear upstairs. They're giving me the stats. You won 50.1 to 49.9. I'm giving you the 50.1. I'm your man, George Michael. That's the Arthur Blank interview. What about the David Tepper interview? That's a good one. I like the David Tepper interview. All right, here's what I want to coach the Panthers. You may think that I hire coaches all the time and fire them all the time. You may be right. I may be crazy. But it just may be a lunatic you're looking for. So turn out the lights and let me offer you a six-year contract. Hold on one second. Let me call my agent. My name is Dave Canales. I have not been a head coach before. And let me get this straight, Mr. Tepper. You're offering me a six-year contract? There's no chance you're going to keep me for six years. None. Unless like you've been lobotomized or replaced or canceled. Of course I'm taking this offer. Hold on. Let me just speak to my family. How do you feel about me working for David Tepper? Oh, you're going to be miserable. He's going to micromanage you and then he's going to fire you. Yeah, but did you know I'm getting six guaranteed years? Let's go to Charlotte, kids. I don't even know if he has kids. Sometimes you got to pay to get, especially when people are like, eh, it's been my life to be a coach. I wonder whether or not Canales, when he was offered, said, you know, why not seven like you gave to rule? That would have been cool. And Tepper's like, oh, I've learned my lesson. I don't give seven anymore. I just give six. All right, fine. I'll take six. <laughs> it's pretty good. He gave Frank Reich only four. How many coaches is he paying? Is it the same as the Milwaukee Bucks? Number of coaches. I think our maximum. I was thinking about this last night while watching the 3.30 a.m. Medvedev match. Is it over yet, Coca? It's got to be over in the fifth set. Yes, Medvedev won 6-3 in the fifth. He came back 5-7-3-6-7-6-7-6-6-3. He's playing Sinner, who beat Jokovic in the semis. Well, that's going to be a big draw for ESPN. In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep. I'll watch it. What was I thinking about? What were we just talking about? We were just talking about something that was in my head about Tepper. Oh, managers. Number of managers paid at one time. One time I went to our owner. I said, you know, we're paying like three guys. Isn't that enough? No, no. We got to get the right man in here. It's that important. How about just giving one-year deals then? Oh, we can't get the right people for one year. Yeah, but we're not so good at choosing the right people. And then all of a sudden, I have to sit with our CFO and watch checks being cut by our our treasurer and our accounts payable department, our payroll people. Way to go, Dave. I always get embarrassed going into the, the finance department was when you walk into reception at Marlins Park, finance was to the left, my office was to the right. The lobby was in the middle, reception was in the middle. I'd say, hi, Kathy, and I'd go to the right. Sometimes I'd say, hi, Kathy, go to the left, and she'd say, going to see finance? Yeah, yeah, I have to. You know what, let's move them to the right. I don't want anyone to know when I have to go see finance. So I'd go sit down and I'd say, show me payroll. Just show me the checks were cutting. And I'd see names and I was like, oh, that's, oh, he was good for like a minute. Oh, there's another one. And I just am getting judged by the payroll people. 
when they're writing checks to players who aren't on the team anymore because we released them and we're still paying them, managers who we had fired and we're still paying, and they know that the team is not exactly financially healthy, and all this money's going out the door to sh- total schleppers. What a waste. <sighs> I think Canales has a chance to make it through six years. I think he's got a great chance. I think he's from the Pete Carroll coaching tree. I mean, he did wonders with Baker Mayfield in Tampa. How would you think he's not going to come and make Bryce Young the number one, number one? Make his $37.9 million worth it. Hi, my name is David Tepper, and you're my new coach. All right, I feel good about that. All right, when we come back, we're going to review the new Jake Johnson movie that's an Amazon Prime movie with someone from Schitt's Creek in it. And then we're going to talk about the Oakland A's. John Fisher went to Vegas and met in front of people at a Chamber of Commerce meeting. I've done scores of those meetings. His performance was worse than my Beacon Council performance, and that's saying something. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday, January 26th. David Sampson, Matthew Coca, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Please join us Eastern on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. We've got fun chats that happen during the show. We're live. You never know what's going to happen. Of course, we're available wherever you get your podcasts if you're listening and not watching. But if you're not watching, then you're missing this punum. How would you not be interested in seeing these pearly yellows? and non-Botoxed, wrinkly foreheads. Look at that. Still haven't done anything. Only guy I know on camera hasn't done anything at my double nickel age. Zero. Haven't even dyed the beard yet. Self-reliance, Jake Johnson, funny. Here's the concept. This is a great concept. Better than the movie, actually. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, if you can survive... 29 days, whatever the days are, 30 days. If you can live for 30 days, we'll give you a million bucks. Here's the deal. It's like a game. People are going to be trying to kill you. But the rule is that if you're not alone, then you can't be killed. So all you have to do is be with someone for 30 days. So Jake Johnson says, hell yeah, I'll play. And he goes to find a homeless guy and pays the homeless guy, smart move. Hey, just hang out with me. And as long as you're with me, I won't get killed by the people who are out to kill me, and then I'll get the million dollars. Interesting concept. Andy Samberg plays himself in the movie. He's involved in a very tangential, weird way. 
Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek plays his sister, cynical sister, about what this game is and what's happening and whether he can win, whether he will win. He's got girl troubles. He's got money troubles. He's got mental issues. And I started thinking about Survivor and what people do to get on that game to play 39 days, now 26 days to win a million dollars. What people do in sports to try to be a millionaire. People go on game shows. Who wants to be a millionaire? It turns out the answer is everybody wants to be a millionaire. People buy lottery tickets, lotto tickets. They gamble. They're doing whatever they can to make money. Money corrupts. People say that. Of course, the people who say money corrupts are the people who don't have money. Generally, people with money say money doesn't corrupt. Money brings power. And power is absolute corruption. I have a different view of all of it. If you're going to come up with an original movie the way Jake Johnson did and be quirky and funny and entertain me, I'm in. Self-reliance is not for everybody. It is sometimes difficult to watch, sometimes scary, sometimes funny, but always is in your head thinking to yourself, hmm, the best kind of movie does this. You put yourself in the position of the character. I mean, who wasn't counting toothpicks after watching Rain Man just to make sure they weren't autistic? And there's nothing wrong with being autistic, but who wasn't checking? Of course, Wapner at three. It's called self-reliance. Enjoy it. All right, John Fisher was given his schedule, owner of the Oakland A's. Here's what we're going to do. On January 25th, whatever day it was, it could have been the 24th, don't care. There's going to be a breakfast, Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce. We're going to charge people 100 bucks. They're going to come. You're going to be on a panel and you're going to talk to the media. And this will be your public intro to the people and the business community of Vegas. No problem. When I agree to this, we're going to be well, we'll be under construction by then. We'll have renderings that will have been completed. We will be approved by Major League Baseball. We will be in the seventh inning of our relocation. All of a sudden, he agrees to it. Time passes. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Renderings press conference. Postponed. Tock, tick. Agreement to operate the facility. Tock, tick. Nowhere to be seen. Architect hired. Maybe. Contractor hired, tick-tock. What are they bidding on? How much steel do they need? Is there a roof? What about my agreement with Bally's? Tropicana, nine acres, tock, tick. Not enough land, tick-tock. Uh-oh, I got to go meet the Chamber of Commerce. All right, here's what you got to do, John. I'm giving you talking points. Make sure you hit the talking points. It's very simple. The talking points are... I am so sorry about what happened in Oakland. I have complete empathy and I'm sick over the team leaving Oakland. I am honored to be accepted into the Las Vegas community and I will not let you down. My team will not let you down. We will be an asset to this community for decades to come. All the things that I couldn't get done in Oakland, I want to get done here. All the ways that it didn't work in Oakland, I want it to work here. And with your help, with the business community's help, we can do this together. John, tell me about uh, what's happening in your 
land deal. Well, funny you should ask about the land deal. We're working very hard and we're very close. There's going to be a whole development. And the reason why, in case you're asking, we haven't shown you any renderings is that wouldn't you believe it? Instead of doing the renderings right around that, there was a cop shooting. So we thought it would be inappropriate to do renderings because there was a shooting. Well, that's a convenient excuse. What's your excuse today? Well, now we don't just want to give you stadium renderings. We want to give you renderings of the whole redevelopment by Bally's. Because Bally's is really involving me in their whole redevelopment. They've given me nine acres and told me to shut up and keep quiet and enjoy the nine. So disingenuous trying to convince the business community that the reason you haven't seen a rendering except for the piece of crap renderings that meant nothing and were totally unrealistic and done on a freaking computer by a child. I don't mean to impugn the people who actually did the renderings because my guess is the Oakland A's paid a pretty penny for those renderings. <laughs> useless. I've done a few useless renderings in my time. Don't you kid yourself. So are you with it? Are you buying it that they're waiting for the full plan? That's why you don't have your renderings. All right. Good one. Now, listen, John, when you're asked by anybody why it didn't work in Oakland, I want you to be very clear how to answer that. There are so many reasons it didn't work, but the person who's ultimately responsible is me. And that is something that I will have to take with me and have as part of my legacy for the rest of my life. He was asked why it didn't work. And he said, there are no words that I can say that are going to make people who are really upset about the team leaving feel better about the team or about me. So here's the thing. When you say that there are no words, then don't use any words. All I can say is I gave everything I had to try to make things work. Oy. Page three of the owner relocation playbook. Don't ever say I gave everything I had because if you had given everything you had, I have a news alert for you. The team would still be in Oakland and your payroll would be higher and you'd have a new facility already under construction. Don't lie to your new fan base and your new business community. It's not smart. We gave it everything I had except what it took to do a deal. Other than that, it was everything. Yeah, I couldn't go to 49.6% of the meetings or 69.8% of the phone calls, but I gave it everything I had. I kept my powder dry all those years with a low payroll because I was going to put all that money into a stadium in Oakland. Just couldn't get it done. Another 10 million would have gotten it done. <laughs> Such a ridiculous statement. It truly is. All right, John, when you're asked about financing the stadium in Vegas, I want you to say there are no issues. We have had no impediments. We've had no problems. Everybody on Wall Street is bullish on this community, as am I. Leave it at that. John, do you plan on having any local investors? It's a very popular question when a foreigner comes. It's a question first asked when you get to Miami or got to Montreal. Anybody coming in locally? It's like Steve Ross was offered that asked that and he said, yeah, how about Serena and Mark Anthony and Venus and Gloria? They're good local investors. That'll show you that I am one with your community. Then you get Wayne Newton 
Adele and James Dolan and the Sphere to be my limited partners. Instead, what John Fisher said when asked about that is, yeah, I'm very open to selling minority shares of the team. I think it's really important that selling stakes to people locally, that creates a connection to the community. Really? Because the majority of people in Vegas who are working the three shifts, including the graveyard shift, they really are in tune with people who have become limited partners in teams. That's their people. That's their folk. That's creating the string of connectivity. You're making it solid by bringing in limited partners and that's showing that you love Vegas. Poppycock. The reason why you bring in limited partners is not because you're trying to become a part of the community. You bring it in because you need money. What kind of valuation are you going to charge? No one asked that question. Where are all the tough questions? What valuation? Are you doing a post-stadium valuation in Vegas or a pre-stadium valuation in Vegas? Or are you doing a, hey, we don't even have a deal in Vegas and you're doing the valuation of the Oakland A's in Oakland. Is that the valuation of the shares you're selling? Are you trying to get people in at the low? You're trying to get people in at the high. And if it's at the high, that means the deal has to be done already, in which case you can't use their money to get a deal. So what's the deal, man? He just went on and on. It was terrible. Don't worry, Vegas. I think I'm still going to be right. I'm not letting go of that weight to see that the A's don't move to Vegas. I've seen nothing. No matter what John says, no matter what everybody in baseball says, no matter how little is going on in Oakland, the deal in Oakland is bad. No one likes each other. But the deal in Vegas, it seems almost impossible. But almost impossible is how Jim Carrey gets to kiss Lauren Holly. All right. I'm sorry, Coca, but we're going to have to do it. All right. If you're DraftKings and you love our show, you're excited about the DraftKings network, excited about nothing personal pick of the day, excited about monetizing nothing personal. Thank you. Excited about your new great hire. Congratulations, by the way. Listen to this segment, but keep in mind that this is called nothing personal with David Sampson. Do you remember all the times that prior to my metal arc DraftKings days that I would talk about gambling and I would talk about the apps and players gambling and the integrity of the game and what the issues were during MLB owners meetings about gambling, how worried we are about players gambling, how significant a deal it is if players gamble, how the leagues have released all these new rules multi-tens of pages. Really, it should be one sentence. Make it easy. Keep it simple, stupid. Never heard that. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. You may not gamble. Let's see. I don't need 20 pages. There's no provisos. You may be 70 feet away from your practice facility, and then you may gamble on the 29 offerings on your app that are not football related. See page four, section 39, Letter six, word nine. Who the hell is following that? And we did it in Spanish and French and Creole and Russian and German and Italian. In baseball, we have to read the gambling rule before the season starts in Spanish and in English. We have to make sure it's available to every player, no matter what language they speak. We had each row, we had to do it in Japanese. It's a pretty simple rule. 
Don't gamble. There's plenty of business for these companies to have with players unable to do it. Well, there's a New England Patriots wide receiver, Keishon Boutte. Guess what? He's got a real problem. He was at LSU, and it's now come to light that they are charging him, including felonies. Felonies. Because he engaged in computer fraud, and he gambled underage. He pretended to be 21 when he wasn't 21 and placed like 8,900 bets. He used an alias, which means he knew what he was doing was wrong because he wanted to get around the age of It's sort of like Boutte, sorry. I don't know why I said Boutte. Boutte. It's Keishon Boutte. People use fake IDs. Alex P. Keaton used it to vote. I would use it just to say I could get into a bar even though I didn't drink when I was below 21. I didn't actually have my first drink until I got into baseball. I was 31 years old. But now people want fake IDs and fake personalities, fake people, fake information because they want to bet. Instead of going to the corner bookie, way better to do it with an app. Instead of going to the park on 72nd and Broadway to get weed from the chief, it's better to go to a store. I'm sorry, that what did I just say? I have no idea what that means. Literally, that was just written on a piece of paper for me. I, I do not know what who the chief is or what was going on in the park on 72nd and Broadway in the 80s. No idea. So this alias account by Bouti, they placed 8,900 bets, 8,900. The problem is there were a number of them that were on LSU. Well, that's okay. He was on LSU. Wouldn't it be worse if he bet against LSU? Nope. I think we have a situation here where the companies, DraftKings, FanDuel, et cetera, I think they ought to be telling the leagues that they would like a bit of a change. Right now, they're helping the leagues enforce the policies. You can't get away from your IP. You simply cannot. I think they should go to the leagues and say, you know what? We've had a different change here. We actually would prefer it if you would make it a blanket rule that all employees on and off the field, any teams cannot use the app, may not bet. We'll make sure that we pay and we'll work with your security people and we'll have security people and we'll try to catch people. But I think that it's way more important for the other scores of millions of people who are using the apps to believe that there is no possible impropriety, no chance of loss of integrity of the results. I think that's more important. So how about if we all change the rules together? The NFL has to make an example of Bouti, and they're going to. As a matter of fact, I'll make it an official wait to see. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, okay. If it doesn't, fine. I'll revisit it. I'm going to give you a wait to see on Bouti. The NFL is going to suspend him for a minimum of two games because the NFL is going to look and they're going to say, oh God, this is the one thing we cannot have. We cannot have it. Everything's going so very well. We cannot have this. I'd rather have concussions than people betting on games. Why? Say it with me as we head into championship weekend. It's just business. Thanks for the week, everyone. We'll be back Monday. This is nothing personal.